1: When it comes to your investments and retirement in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
3: Prosperity is full of friends. That's Euripides, by the way, uh, one of my heroes. We will ultimately be judged by how we react in times of trouble and how we care for the least among us. One of my favorites is tough times never last, but tough people do. And then uh, in anything you do, work hard like no one will help you. Then after you've done all you can, trust God like you haven't worked at all. Or DJ Quick says a different way. If you stay ready, you ain't got to be ready. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Anyway, uh, you know, it was a wild week, so uh, we'll talk about the markets here, and we're going to talk about debt and stuff like that. But you know, if, if you want any of the information we talk about on this radio show, we always talk about dividend growth and how important it is. Uh, now, this is coming to vogue now, but we've been talking about it on the show for 21 years. <laughs> so we've been in vogue for a while. Anyway, you know, even Barron said you can live off dividends as long as they're growing. We have the dividend growth portfolio that we can run for you with a small amount of money. We also have the prime income list for those who are already retired. If you need income now, this is yielding four, four and a quarter. Uh, you know, bonds aren't yielding that. And if they are, they're probably leveraged. The bond fund would probably be leveraged to the hill. So you should be very, very careful. Uh, anyway, I would suggest that uh, those are two great things. We also have uh, our top ideas. Our top small cap ideas, our top all cap ideas, meaning large cap, mid cap, and small cap. And I'm starting to see some really good things in our uh, ADR list, too, uh, which is our American Depository Receipts. Don't forget, uh, Money Matters for the Young Professionals, we have that uh, piece with Women and Wealth a Planning Workbook the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook, and we also have some stuff for those of you out there who are in business transition, if you're trying to sell your business. By the way, private equity is going to take your business at a, at a very low price. <clears throat> I think you can get a better price, in my humble opinion. I I know people have who have done it. Also, if you go to my webpage, if you go to WHK1420, <clears throat> local podcast, Down to Smart Investor Show, you can get uh, on there. Make sure you hit Insights. There's a lot of good Material and it changes every week. <clears throat> we're, we're trying to get Bob, uh, I mean, Rob Schleimer up because Bob Dickey retired on us. Uh, I hope he's doing well. He's probably fishing at this point. Uh, and we'll get that going. But that's under bulletin board. We also have a couple newsletters there that I think you uh, like. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee with me and talk about your portfolio and talk about a wealth plan, uh, you know, our wealth plan is interactive. That's what I like about it. So uh, please, please let us know. Um, you know, uh, higher demand and tight supply has allowed automakers to raise their prices. And this is, this is big because most automakers have been lowering their prices for some time now with a new vehicle. The average cost has averaged is now $37,314. That's a lot. It's up 3000 bucks from a year earlier and over 4,000 bucks from 2019, um, uh, in the first quarter of 2020, global venture investments reached $127 billion. That's a 50% increase quarter over quarter and a whopping 94% increase year over year. Venture capital is where it's at, I guess, at this point, which scares me. When there's that much money flowing into one sector, you should think about it, all right? M&A activity uh, uh, surged globally, too, in the first quarter. Uh, i a year-to-date record, to be exact. While the number of deals was only up six percent from a year ago, the total value of the pending and completed deals rose 93 percent to 1.3 trillion. Uh, that's the second biggest quarter on record, according to the data uh, Refinitiv uh, puts out. And uh, you know, the volume of deals worth more than five billion totaled 467 billion, up 133 percent year over year. Wow, it's a lot. Okay. So anyway, um, I, I I had some questions this week. Uh, you know, actually, I, I talked to a gentleman who had uh, uh, some interesting stuff to say. But first of all, dynamic asset level investing commodities leaped over international equities. So domestic equities are still number one, but they did lose a, a point or two this week, a couple votes. But commodities jumped. Uh, by about four votes over international equities for the week, which I think that's kind of interesting. Now, look, there's been much debate, and uh, I'm not going either way, but with the increased government spending uh, as a response to COVID and the pandemic, the, the Biden administration plans for additional infrastructure outlays. one of the prevalent economic concerns is national debt, as it should be, although sometimes it seems to be largely a political talking point, which it shouldn't be. Uh, there's a good reason to be concerned about the federal debt, and uh, the Congressional B- Budget Office uh, suggests that a large, growing debt can, be, can have really negative con- consequences, including the large amount of debt federal borrowing could draw away from private investment in productive capital long term. You know, it's guns and ro- it's guns and butter. Okay, what you spend, what the government spends, you can't. And Who says the government, you know, name two people who think the government can can control money better than you can, all right? Uh, So there we go. Uh, But so there'd be a smaller stock of capital and lower output. Uh, So you'd hope that uh, you would have, well, we'll get into that in a second. Federal spending on interest payments would rise. That's for sure. So we got to hope that interest rates stay down because if they were to go up a couple, uh, you know, a couple hundred basis points or two percentage points, that would be a big problem. I think a large amount of debt would restrict policymakers' ability if there is a problem to do anything else. So if there is a problem going down the road, your gun's out of ammo is what it comes down to. Uh, So you know, look as of September thirtieth. The federal debt stood at twenty seven point seven trillion, highest level ever. And at three point three trillion uh for the federal debt, you know, for the year twenty twenty. Uh that was one of the highest uh numbers also. The only time we've been higher is during uh the war, uh World War Two. And that was in, in uh 43, 44, and forty five, where we had twenty well, I think I think uh the one was uh So, you know, in in 2009, uh, during the financial crisis, the debt was at 9.7%. All right. So that's that's a lot. So, look, federal spending on interest payments would rise if interest rates were to go up and it would lower spending for benefits and services. And that's that's the big problem. You know what they're doing right now uh, is is important, but one of the things is is you got to look at the interest payment as percent of the gross national product. You know, back in in the '90s, it was three percent, and now it's only one point five. Now that's assuming that we have no interest rate increases. Okay, so uh, look, the the interest rate outlay is going to be higher. That's for sure. The question is how much higher. And you know, I, I think uh if we take a look at the outlay versus total receipts, we're at about ten percent. The highest we ever went was around eighteen, nineteen percent, and that was in eighty-nine ninety. So we'll see what happens. But I, I, you know, look, my goal here is not to argue that we should not be concerned about the federal debt. I am. Uh but I, I think uh just wanted to give you some perspective on it, okay? Uh by the way, this is a live show. So if you have any questions or you'd like to uh talk uh the, the Number here is 216 9010945. That's 216 9010945. And uh, so, you know, I, I was looking. Uh, global stocks scratched and clawed their way higher in April and uh, to an all time new high. And we're having less stocks do that, by the way. And the the, the world index climbed 4.4 4 on, so on a total return basis. US stocks led. Uh, Led the global market by a little bit anyway. Commodities were the real winners all right, for the month. Um, economic data proved to be a catalyst for stocks moving higher in, in April because the jobless claims set post-COVID uh, low multiple times. You know, uh, multiple times in the month, so uh, that was a big positive. Uh, and the earnings surprises uh, accelerated, and they were much greater than people anticipated. So that's kind of interesting. Where did it all come? Where did the car, Where did the? Where were the? expectations exceeded the most consumer discretionary financials materials and communication services information technology was okay healthcare was much better and they didn't go anywhere they went down so that's kind of interesting by the way that that's if we looked at dynamic asset level of investing consumer discretionary is first financials are second materials you know both that and energy and consumer services are there now energy only had a 6.9 percent increase uh, over what we anticipated, but the stocks moved up the most, which is really interesting. And by the way, they corrected and looked like they're kind of a place to go again. You know, um, so what I thought I'd do was I'd take a look at the uh, you know what we call um, the long-term trend uh, for the stock market, and and look. I think what you have to understand is that there are periods of reflation. Uh, some people call it inflation, and there are periods of, uh, deflation or inflationary periods, you know, uh, which, which can cause, uh, some problems. Okay. But what we have to look at is, I think, uh, is the, uh, the overall piece is, is the, the scenario where we we have these huge bull markets and we have these huge bear markets. Okay. Uh, and these usually last about 17 years each way. So if you look, you know, we just started, well, if you listen to Bob Schleimer, uh, we, this just started in 2000, the end of 2016. So we got a long way to go. Now, we had deflation for the last, you know, for the first 15 years of the decade, I mean, of the century uh, during the Obama administration. By the way, that was high taxes at that point. And the other thing I'll mention is when they raised the income tax on small caps in 2013, we didn't hear from them again. (laughs) They were gone. So if they do raise it, I'd be careful with my small cap stocks. So, um, but we're in a re-inflationary period that should last about 17 years. So we're about four years into it. So we've got about another 13 years. Now, the other thing we, you know, uh, Bob Dickey loved, and, and Rob Schleimer is doing now, is the four and 13 month moving averages on the S and P. When the four month crosses over the 13 month on the downside, that's when you better be paying attention, okay? And when they gap too, you know, they always regress to the mean. So if, they, if the gap becomes too great on the upside. Or the downside, that's when you want to be careful or aggressive when you're buying. And right now, the the uh, four month is well above the 13 month. And I would say, you know, I would suggest they sound like a broken record for the last two months—is that uh, you know we're still at 70 on the bullish percent. So be careful. But stocks relative to bonds, uh, there's massive outperformance going on in the last two years. So we'll see what happens. So people. I've had some people ask me about what about foreign stocks, Tim. On a relative strength basis, they are they are not performing as well as the S and P 500, and they haven't since 2010. And you know, we we said on the show uh, that China was parabolic back in 2007 or 8, and it has it really hasn't outperformed the U.S. Either has, the emerging markets look a little bit better in that they've gone sideways uh, versus the S and P, and and I, I would say both of them have. So it's a base building scenario, okay? And uh, I would say the emerging markets have broken out above the base, so that's that's a positive. But you'd like to see the relative performance versus the S and P 500 go up and get up and go, all right? Uh, It hasn't. So the S and P 500 is still the place to be. Now, people, you know, ask me uh, how could you say it was deflationary? You know, look in in 1980 the Yield on the 10-year Treasury was at (laughs) 15.5%. We've been in a downtrend all that time. Now, we've tested that line, that downtrend line. I'm talking about the yields now, okay, Uh, several times, but we haven't broken through them. And we still haven't. And it doesn't look like we're going to. Now, the dollar, uh, since basically 1984, when yields started to, you know, what, what happened was Volcker, Jacked all the interest rates up, and then slowly you knew they were coming down, and the dollar has come down with those yields. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, the dollar still looks like it's in a downtrend. Uh, every time it gets to a down the downtrend line, uh, which is a series of uh, a line that you you draw across a series of lower highs, uh, it it dies. Okay. Uh, now the commodity index, and this is interesting. As has broken its downtrend line dating back to 2010. All right? So, you know, commodities had an 81% correction from their high to their low. That's a lot, okay? And if you look at copper futures, you know, they look like they're going higher, I think, my opinion. And oil now has, as of Friday, just broke out on a monthly chart they broke out. How's that about that? You know, and I'm going back to 2008, 2009 now, okay? So, we're seeing some good, you know, positive things. You know, commodities are important. A little bit of inflation is important. I've had several questions about gold, and gold is uh, has pulled back. You know, it broke out, and it's pulled back, and it's starting to stabilize on a monthly chart. Uh, now the momentum is kind of negative, and it gold relative to copper is still in a downtrend. So you know, copper was definitely the place to be, and I believe we we suggested that. Uh, a while back. So uh, there we go. But um, anyway, we're going to, we're taking a look here. And uh, I, I think you, it's a couple things that you have to take a look at. It, well, I tell you what, we're going to talk about uh, what what we're seeing uh, from Rob Schleimer in a minute or two. But remember, if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. If you want any material like the dividend growth list or the prime income list, go to WHK 1420, local podcast, dial to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and you go right to my webpage. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
0: Hey, my friends, Bob France here now. By now, you've already heard me talking about MyPillow and the amazing MyPillow products. Well, Mike has got a new one for you. He's done it again. He's bringing us now... My slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop the best slippers you'll ever wear, designed to wear indoor, outdoor, all day long. Made with my pillow foam and impact gel to prevent fatigue. Also made with a quality leather suede. You're going to love these. Now for a limited time, Mike is offering forty percent off his new my slippers. The my slippers are so comfortable you're never going to want to wear another pair, and you're going to want to get some for the whole family. Go to mypillow.com right now. Click on the radio listener square. Use the promo code authority. You'll get deep discount also on the other MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets. Or call 800-859-7012 and use the promo code authority. That's MyPillow.com or 800-859-7012 with the promo code authority. Should Hugh Hewitt be our next senator? Now, Ohio is a dogpile, and they're all great people. I just had on Steve Stivers. I've had on uh, uh, the uh, uh, Josh Mandel. I've had on Jane Timken. I've had on J.D. Vance. And there are probably more. I might go back and run. What the hell? Everybody's running. Hugh Hewitt at 6, followed by Bob France at 9 on The Answer.
3: Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Back. uh anyway we have i have a new technical guy uh lenny today uh uh seems uh my good friend has had some problems so uh, uh this is all new between lenny and i uh anyway he's doing a great job so far by the way so you know i think there's some things we got to talk about and and um uh, we have, we have the S&P 500 is stalling at some resistance, and it was an impressive surge, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the momentum has been turning down on on a, um, a daily basis. It remains kind of negative. It'll be interesting to see because it's been on top of this line for now for quite a bit of time, and, and it'll be interesting to see if, it, you know, we uh, fall back a little bit. I think what's really kind of worrisome uh, is if you look at the the Nasdaq 100, the NDX, and the semiconductor index, and uh, look, uh, they, they're not really pushing forward. Uh, and what's really kind of disturbing is their relative performance versus the S and P 500 has been uh, challenge. Well, we'll just say it's in both cases, it's challenging key support. Uh, so I think that's a that's kind of interesting. Um, whereas the if I look at the energy sector. OK, and this is mostly oil, uh, it's right at the downtrend line, almost breaking through. So, um, you know, so it's rallying from support. And I think if you look, uh, you know, oil has pulled back uh, and, you know, you always want to buy things on pullbacks, right? Especially when we're at 70 on the on the uh, on the uh, uh, the <laughs> bullish percent. Sorry about that. Uh, so it, it's something to think about. And, Look, I, I think we're we're still in this uh, four year type uh, situation where, you know, we have a positive four year cycle. But if I look at the monthly quadrant balance oscillator that my good friend uh, Rob Schleimer shows us, uh, it is a, it's fairly overbought. So the weekly trends are intact, but they're well advanced. Okay, and you know. I, I had several calls from clients last week who were very bullish, and uh, usually that's not a good thing. Okay, they're good people, but they, they you know they come in late. That's what it comes down to. And if you look at the AA bullish uh, a- American Association of Individual Investors bullish sentiment, it's it's pretty far up there, and so is not the economic surprise sentiment that Citicorp puts out. So uh, you know that's not the ultimate time to buy. Okay, you want it to be a little bit. You know, they're contrarian indicators. You want things to be ugly when you want to buy. But we, we are seeing a couple of uh, key divergences in that I'm seeing the momentum uh, factors starting to turn down uh, on the S&P 500, which, you know, is a problem. And same with the Russell 2000. Uh, now, the Russell worries me a little bit because of how how things occurred, uh, except for maybe the banks that are in the Russell. But how thing, when, when they raised it, uh, tax rates, on everybody in the corporate area in 19, in 2013. Small caps had a problem. Now, they were their relative performance was was picking up to the upside and it broke its downtrend line versus the S&P 500. And now it's kind of sitting. So we need that to turn up again, I think, before we uh, get real excited. And, you know, I looked at growth versus value, and, and now we, we seem to have a top forming in that we've broken – Support and we've come up to uh, resistance and broken down in large cap, small cap, and mid cap. Uh, so it looks like value is picking up, or high beta, as we call it now, uh, versus low volatility. Is is on a monthly basis? It's very, very, uh, you know, it's broken out of a big base. So it it should it things could get interesting on the on the value side. Um, and I think the high beta, you know, probably will pause a little bit or pull back, but you know, you've got to, you know, watch very closely. And um, like I said, the, the, the 10-year yield didn't pull back as much as I thought it was going to, with with as much news as we had, like the employment uh, number, et cetera. So we'll watch that very closely. Now, I will say one thing about the yields: is the weekly RSI relative strength momentum is unwinding from overbought levels. And you would expect more of a correction if it was going to pull back. So if it doesn't pull back, I think the interest rates are going a lot higher. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens, uh, you know, over the course of the next uh, six or seven weeks. Now the dollar, you know, the weekly momentum is showing some early signs of turning negative again. That should be positive for gold, I would think, and, and most of the commodities. Uh, we are at some significant support for the dollar, so. You know, maybe on a daily basis you have a rally, and then on a weekly basis it turns over and gets beat up for a while. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, crude uh, did break its downtrend line dating back about 20 years, or about 15 years, I mean. And it looks like uh, you know, if it breaks through this uh, 66 level, 6650, uh, it could go, you know, possibly into the 70s. Uh, so it's got good support. And like I, you know, I said earlier, gold, gold is in a place where uh, it is rallied above its first resistance, which is, is at its 50-day moving average. A lot of technicians use that, so it could pause for a while. But uh, you know, I just think you know copper is the better play right now, and that's the way I'd look at it. Uh, now, I had uh, some questions, uh, and you know, I I think that <laughs> I, I had several people uh, send me notes about uh, Kathy Moore and the arc. Portfolios, and that that led me to believe that was the beginning of the year, and I, it, you know, I, I started to think that maybe it was overdone, and you know, she's getting beat up a little bit. And, you know, look, she's in the right stocks. If you got a five year horizon, if you don't, you know, I think the next couple of months may be, you know, uh, a problem. So, what I'm trying to say in so many words is, is that the 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 QQQs and the Nasdaq Composite. Uh, and the semiconductor index and a lot of the technology indexes are having some internal problems. You know, the some of the stuff that we watch very closely, relative strength is weakening, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff. So, you, you know, that's not good. So if you're heavily in technology stocks, and I'm mostly, you know, I, I've got some, uh, and I did quite well with them. But I think, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're in Internet semis. Uh, whatever it may be, they, they, the internals are breaking down, which is usually not a good sign. And so, uh, um, this is kind of a warning, and I'm, I'm just telling you that if they continue to break down, technology is going to have a problem, and you're going to have a problem if you're heavy in technology. Uh, so you got to be be careful uh, in what you're doing, and uh, over the next couple of months. Now. Uh, and, and by the way, that's social media. That's every uh, everything. And, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is if I looked at energy on a on a chart, it looks like I'm doing a reverse head and shoulder <laughs> where I'm, on technology, I'm looking like I'm, I'm making a series of lower highs, which is usually not good. You know, that means supplies coming in at the lower level. So it'll be interesting to see if the oil, you know, the oil index is uh, outperformed coming up here, uh, you know and i just say that you know you got to you know follow this kind of closely uh but it it is something to be you know i mean if if oil's going to be the way i mean look if biden's going to make it hard for oil to be drilled and he's cutting off pipelines you know you got uh you got a a scenario where there's going to be less supply and if there's demand because look Electric cars are now like 3.2 percent of all the cars. You got a long way to go, folks. And if you start making, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've noticed oil's gone up almost a. I mean, my gasoline's gone up almost a dollar, but twenty since uh, Biden was elected. So there's a problem. Now the other group, uh, for those of you who are gamblers, you know the gambling group has been getting beat up, and uh, especially the online gamblers. Uh, they've been getting beat up pretty. Pretty hard. Now, what I'm seeing, it, it, you know, I like it. It's simply because you know the the charts in some of the cases are doing really well, um, but the internals are starting to break down. So I'm just wondering. But you know, the group as a whole uh, has been looking kind of shaky. Um, so for you gamblers, uh, I think you want to be a little bit more careful.
4: <laughs> uh,
3: you know, it's one of those things where um, sometimes you know you just have to uh, be of you know, a little bit more focused on your portfolio, so you understand what's going on. For those of you who buy stocks directly, which is the way you get rich, by the way, uh, mutual funds are great, but they don't—they don't make you rich. They don't make you poor, though, uh, for the most part, because they're usually extremely diversified. You know, and I looked at a couple things, and and uh, the you know I, I, the builders index, the materials, the real estate, and the financials, and the consumer discretionary still look. The best to me, you know, financials look best at this point. The industrial sector is really coming on again uh, and c- consumer cyclicals are pausing a little bit. But materials and real estate and, and uh, materials, home builders are also pressing through pretty hard, too. So uh, I think that's very, very important, too. So um, anyway, let's uh, by the way, I had two questions about Hong Kong and 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 uh, also about uh, China. Hong Kong does does look great on the charts to me, and China I don't know enough about, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Uh, But gold, like I said, gold is starting to turn back up. Let's take a break. Uh, The number here is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. got a question. We'll be right back.
0: Dennis Prager has seen a lifetime of indoctrination. The sheep-like behavior of the liberal can never be overstated. It is not possible to. A lifetime of indoctrination has convinced them that the right is where the danger lies. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3, on AM 1420.
4: The Answer. Hello, Cleveland. My dad grew up in Cleveland. I've lived in Cleveland my whole life, and Cleveland rocks. And as a Cleveland plumber, who's the son of a Cleveland plumber, one thing I can tell you is that Cleveland sewer pipes are all made of clay. And those clay pipe sections have seams every three to four feet where roots can grow, cracks can develop, and offsets form, and that causes some nasty clogs. For most clogs, we can cable or jet them out fast and get the water moving. But to really fix the problem properly requires a a cable machine, a hydrojetter, a camera, several hours of work, all of which every drain tech does have ready to go. So at Wyatt Works, we embrace transparency. We will bust the clog right away. We'll show you on the camera and let you decide if you want to do a Band-Aid fix or a permanent fix. Either way, the hard-working, straight-talking, do-it-right drain techs at Wyatt Works have got you covered. Consider it done at WyattWorks.com. License number 30185.
3: All right, uh, here we are again. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, I was, I was looking at charts, uh, which is what I do. I look at charts and I look at wealth plans most of the time. Uh, and, you know, it, it's uh, it's amazing how many of the stay-at-home stocks have just got brutalized. Uh, Teladoc, Peloton. You know, Peloton hit 82 bucks this week. And I think, it. you know, I think in January it was 172. Uh, TeleDocs down 50 percent. Salesforce, you know, went from 280 down to 220, a uh, 202. I mean, uh, you know, Stitch Fitch went from 113 down to 41. Uh, so th- th- there's been they- they've hammered a lot of these and it'd be interesting to see uh, how they do when we come out, uh, because a lot of technology. I mean, I saw several technology stocks go down ten dollars and then the next day. This is before their earnings and come out with dynamite earnings. You know, 50% growth rates and stuff like that and and only go up 2 or $3 afterwards. And it's a little bit scary. So uh, I, I do think there is a lack of hedge fund buying. I think hedge funds, for the most part, are selling. And I think retail is uh, – I mean, you know, I've heard rumors that Robinhood's business is kind of evaporated. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, look, we normally talk about um, – and when I say evaporated, I didn't mean go, go to zero. Uh, it, it's down like, you know, 20, 30% or something like that. So anyway, uh, we, we talk about risk management on this program. And, you know, look, my whole thing about looking at charts and whatever is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take the fundamentals and I'm trying to take the demand supply situation or the technicals, add them together with what the analysts say and then what the market's doing, okay? So if there's a high-risk market, you want to be more careful. If there's a low risk market, you know you you take a look at what the analyst's best ideas are, and sometimes the charts don't match exactly, but you know that the fun you know, the risk profile for the market is is wonderful. So the way we do that is we use the bullish percent, which is uh, brought to us by our friends at Dorsey Wright, and they they've been the, uh, since the 70s they've been doing this, and they're quite good at it, by the way. Uh, Tom Dorsey, Watson, Wright are great guys, uh, and you know basically what it is 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 it's a a thing that one of a protege of Charles Dow's put together, and it's a charge that goes from zero to a hundred, uh, and you know you combine that with Jimmy Yates' work, uh, you know, I've had dinner with Jimmy; he's a great guy, uh, with the zone things where you see everything's in zone one, you buy, and everything's in zone six, you sell. So, in this particular case, what we do is we have up from zero to 100. When we get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. The American Association of Individual Investors have their highest bullish percent rate since, you know, I don't know, last February. Things are frothy. Okay. Uh, People are talking about what should I buy, what should I buy. And, and then we get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying in their beer and nobody wants to talk to me, okay? <laughs> which usually is my best time to buy. Anyway, we're at 70. So what we did was we went up two points and then we went down two points and we just stayed at 70. So we had no change. We've reversed at 66, which ain't far away if we have a couple bad days. So here's a time. We're in a column of X's. You have the offensive team on the field. But what you don't want to do is throw the long pass, okay? You, you want to hand the ball off to the fullback here. You want to wait for pullbacks, all right? Uh, and I don't even follow football that much. I'm you know, more of a soccer and baseball guy and golf. But uh, uh, the over-the-counter index is in a column of X's, and that was down 3.5% this week. So they're hitting the small caps. I think this tax plan is starting to worry people. Now, at 50, they would go into a column of O's, but still, you're not at an elevated area like you are in the large caps, okay? Uh, and, and the world index is at, at – in a column of X's, it was down 2%. It would turn down at 50, and it's at 52%. So uh, we're pretty close uh, on the the, the, the over-the-counter in the world index. We're about 4 percentage points away of the large index, but we have been making a series of lower highs on the larger index. Now, I know this sounds like a broken record, and I apologize. It's my job to say that, though, okay? So when you have series of lower highs, that's not good. So we, unless we break out, which I don't, I don't see that happening right at the moment, uh, you know, we're probably go- – you should be ready for, you know, uh, corrective phase is what Tim's saying. Now, I said that for two months last year uh, from January straight through February, and nobody believed me. And then they believe me. OK, so I'll just say that. Uh, leave it at that. But weekly dynamic asset level investing. So, you know, I think the big thing is that commodities jumped over international equities. All right. Uh, so some commodity exposure, which is nice now because you have ETFs that allow you to buy commodities. Uh, there's there's several lives. I mean, corn went corn went up like thirty five percent in a week. All right. And we're seeing more of that. So domestic equity still have the lead. Then it's commodities and it's international equities and fixed income cash and currency. So, uh, you know, domestic equities and commodities are where you want to be right at the moment. I have seen that the Dow finally went negative uh, last week and is still negative for a week now. And and the the emerging markets would have been negative for 14 weeks, went positive for one week, and then would drop back down. Uh, and the, the small caps have been negative for eight weeks now. As a matter of fact, they've been negative. Since the day they mentioned that they're going to raise taxes, <laughs> so I I think that's an area where you know if you have strength you got to think about it because that's what happened in 2013 too. Now the QQQs, the uh, spiders or the S P 500 ETF trust, and the Invesco XLG have all been positive for five or six weeks now, uh, and you know that's a long time um and i i so everybody's going to small caps is what it comes down to okay so uh the the worst performing uh group this week though was the qqqs they fell 2.94% so that's a pretty big move down but the s&p you know had a big pullback from 420 all the way back down to 412 uh which you know at 411 would have printed a double bottom and reversed back up so that's a positive uh, so we still have the ball. But like I said, I think you just want to, you know, you you should wait for things like, you know, look, the energy sector corrected. All right. Now might be a time to be, you know, if, if you're so inclined to take a look at that group. Now, we do have eight sectors that are positive now. But, you know, like I said, with Jim Yates's work, the old, you know, he had the zone method where, you know, when you're in zone six, you sold the calls when you're in zone one. You bought the calls. That was the old, uh, you know, you used to call it the option report. It was a great report. Fantastic. I used to get it. Uh, Jim died a couple of years ago and a uh, great guy, by the way. Uh, but so we're mostly to the right here. All right. So we're still overbought. We have eight sectors that are favored. So these are the sectors you should be paying attention to. I'm going to go to the most overbought, which are banks and savings and loans. All right. They're at 84%. That's pretty far into the red zone, folks. Then we have four more that are at 76. That's insurance, forest and paper products, textiles and building materials, and then we have just two more: steel and restaurants, which were at 64. I don't see anything worth talking about there. I think you got to wait for pullbacks on all that stuff. Uh, now, the drug sector, semiconductors and bios are all at 30. They're not below 30 yet. So if they if they were to get hit a little bit further. And reverse up, that's when you want to be looking at those. They are not favored sectors, though, okay? So leave it at that. I did see um, uh, just one or two things that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, semiconductors, software, leisure, and, and protection services all went to unfavored. Restaurants went favored, all right? So semiconductors were a leader. Software is a leader. Leisure was a leader. Protection services was the leader. Now they're all unfavored. Restaurants were lagging. Now they're picking back up. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Now, it's we're entering the seasonally weak six months. OK. Just so you know, in May and June, financials have been known to lead the way. I'll say that. But if you take, uh, you know, a momentum portfolio and add it with a low volatility portfolio, all right. What you should do is increase the size of the low volatility portfolio and shrink the size of the momentum portfolio. And then, you know, it's go away in May and come back on All Souls Day. So October 30th, while your kids are out tricking and treating or whatever you're doing, uh, you double your position in your, in your momentum portfolio. Good strategy, works fairly well. Um, and, and by the way, the, the proof is in the pudding. You can, you can backdate all that stuff and, and uh, really see good, good things happen. So, um, you know, I, I was looking uh, – by the way, you can do that same strategy with international stocks, okay? Uh, but they, they have a much worse record for May 1st to October. International stocks, for some reason, get killed. You know, they get beat up pretty bad. I mean, uh, there, there's been some bad, bad times during, uh, uh, from July 1st on. Um, so, you got to be careful. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, the change sometimes has been pretty drastic uh, on the downside. You know, I mean, they, they have a lot of uh, seasonal times that they've been down 15, 20% during that period of time. So, uh, just because they're, they're not as mature markets as we are. You know, I, I will say this on the fixed income area, the TNX, which is a 10 year yield, reversed down. And it moved lower on Tuesday and it reached 1.575 percent on the charts. So that's kind of interesting. The other one, the high yield spreads have continued to decline. So, you know, what I mean by this is, is it's the yield between the U.S. Treasuries and the high yield bonds. It reached 2.3%, and that's one of the lowest levels since 2014, and they got kind of beat up then. But, I mean, if you're going to be in bonds, uh, you know, government long bonds and emerging market bonds are, are the best. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, I would say uh, convertibles were the third best. Oil was, pot, was negative for eight weeks. It just turned positive. Gold's been positive for six weeks. It's not gaining a lot of ground, though. Uh, corn's been positive. It just went nuts on the upside. Copper looks really good. Uh, so it looks like it's going to continue and coffee, uh, coffee seems to be, uh, you know, turning around. One of the things I did notice is the agricultural funds on the, e- the ETF side, a lot of them have broken their downtrend line and those downtrend lines have been in place for a long time, all the way back to 2008, nine. So that's a big change in agricultural products. Uh, which, you know, may hurt your pocketbook down the way, but I also know their fund score has uh, turned around quite a bit, all right? You know, we had some relative strength changes, but we only had a couple buys, so I'm just going to go over those. Gulf Resources, Israeli Chemicals, Weingarten Realty, Lantheus Holdings, and Camping World, all right? Those are the positive ones. They're all the fairly good technical attributes, too. Hey, we're going to be right back with uh, Insider Buys and just a little bit more about technical. Stay tuned.
2: Be prepared if you're going to argue with Doctor
0: Sebastian Gorka. Let's go to Line Two Al in Pennsylvania. Al, sorry, are you still
3: there? How dare you interject facts into an argument? That's (laughs)
0: just—it's outrageous! How dare I use facts? Never let facts get in the way of a good Democrat narrative. Am I correct? <laughs> Boy, that's perfect. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6, on AM 1420. The answer Larry Elder explains Jim Crow
2: laws. My mom and my dad grew up in Jim Crow South. At one time in the Jim Crow South, if you wanted to vote, tried to vote, and you were black, literacy tests The PhDs couldn't pass let alone people who are basically illiterate. That's Jim Crow, Mr. Biden. This is requiring
0: voter ID. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1420,
2: The Answer.
3: And Odyssey.
2: Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC.
3: Okay, we're back. Uh, If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes, and now we're going to talk about insiders. And uh, look, what we've done is we started talking about interest rates and how the federal government can affect our lives, and we've moved our way slowly but surely down to the overall market and then some individual ideas. And so what we're trying to do is give you, uh, look, if you're doing it on your own, that's fine. You know, I'm not saying you should buy these. I'm just saying this is where the insiders are buying. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, Insiders are always early for the most part sometimes they're right on time which is very it's rare okay uh but you want to see multiple buys okay now the first one i saw last week was a company that there was some big buyers in that uh, uh a while back and uh there were some smart people uh you know white oak you know white rock i mean out of texas which is tom barton and uh larry miller who uh is You know, runs the Miller Value Fund and also uh, uh, Michael Dell. And that is ZioFarm, which is a little biotech, like three bucks, three and a half bucks. And I noticed that uh, the insiders, the actual people working there, uh, there was eight people that bought between eight and 12,000 shares. Uh, So that's always good to see. Uh, Another biotech that just came public is called uh, Werewolf Technologies. And we had several people. We had RA Capital Management uh, by twenty seven and a half million dollars worth. And Jim Flynn, who I believe Jim is, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the hedge fund he runs. But he, you know, he that's smart money, by the way. Uh, Jim Flynn bought. Yeah, I think he's, I think they own ten percent of the company, by the way. He's or he's a member of a, you know, his hedge fund owns ten percent, and so now he's buying out, right? He bought 800,000 shares or $12.8 million worth. Uh, Alan Lazarus bought uh, $5 million worth. Um, Saki Asanuma, I hope I got that right. I hope I didn't butcher. bought $5 million worth. Uh, Luke Edmund bought $2.4 Uh So obviously this is a new issue and they like it. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Uh and artists and partners asset management. We had uh, you know a buyer last week, we had another buyer five million dollars worth of stock. And then ECUR R one uh capital uh bought some more uh of analystis bio, bought another uh three point eight million. There was several buys of that this week, uh and, you know, and they but it was smaller buys, okay? So we'll just leave it at that. And then here's a here's one there where we see a multiple buys and I so I'm watching this one very closely. It's called Aventure, uh, which is they're in specialty chemicals. And we had Tom Connolly, who's the director, bought two point four million dollars. Joe Natura, uh, Tori, I'm sorry, bought two point five million dollars. Uh, I, I, oh, Mr. Connolly bought, uh, and they both bought another two million dollars worth two days earlier, by the way. And then uh, we also had uh, let's see here. Uh, another buyer of 400 another buyer of 400 um, And then uh, some more buyers of quarter million, quarter million, you know, a uh, couple more buyers down. Uh, so we had a lot of buying, you know, like eight, nine buyers. So you want to pay particular attention to that name. Uh, and then uh, here's a couple of names that I haven't seen before. True Companion, which was uh, uh, one of Mark Mahaney's favorites uh, when he was here. Uh, we had the uh, a director Robin Farranconum by 1.5 million, and Amphenol, which is a name I, I had for a pretty long time, and then it got beat up, and uh, I maybe it's time to come back. We had uh, a buyer of uh, 1.4 million, and here's for all you guys that like uh, small cap biotechs. Uh, Peter Heck, who's a very smart guy by the way, chief executive officer of Cycloron Therapeutics, bought a million dollars worth. And then uh, this is a name, uh, American Asset Trust, that you may recall. We talked about six months ago, and and uh, Randy Ersch and a couple other guys bought a whole bunch. Now he's the chairman CEO at twenty six bucks, and now thirty five. And Randy bought seven hundred thousand three times. Then he came back and bought another seven hundred thousand. Uh, and then we had some other people. going to go down the list a little bit. Uh, one, two, three, six other people buy. So. Uh, they like American Asset Trust is what it comes down to. So uh, there a couple of names that I, I thought were kind of interesting, Holly Frontier. This is the first buy I've seen in a long time. It's Franklin Myers, who's been a director, a longtime director. Um, uh, he, he bought. And then we also had uh, Michael Jennings, who's the CEO. So it's the first buy in numerous years uh, for Holly Frontier. Also, Intel, uh, Dion Wiesler, who's uh, been a director for a long, long time. This is his first buy, and as long as I can remember. So, you know, for all those people who are being negative on uh, Intel, maybe it's time to pay attention. And Jackson Tay uh, at Lilly, uh, you know, Lilly's been beat up pretty bad in the last couple of weeks, so that's kind of interesting. So, uh, but it, it's it is uh, a scenario where we are seeing uh, 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 some insiders come back, um, but they're coming back into stocks that are. You know, get pretty beat up.
4: (laughs) Uh,
3: You know, they're not they're not buying the uh, the big names now. There was one other one, and it's some financial group, and this is a regional bank, and I believe I'm not sure exactly where it is, but they had two directors, uh, Jason Kitzmiller and and Ron Spencer, each buy half a million dollars worth. And then, uh, you know, everybody's been asking me about these acquisition companies, and. RTS acquisition, we had Charles Drucker, who's the executive chairman, by a million dollars worth, and he hasn't been – I haven't seen anybody buy that particular area either. Um, And I had one more. Uh, Where is it? (laughs) Uh, I can't find it. Anyway, uh, I'll try to mention it uh, somewhere down the line here. So let's talk – we had another positive month for the quadrant balance data. So this is a you know the long-term momentum data uh, for April. And we're at the time, you know, we had rising monthly momentum and it's continuing to build to the upside, but it's at 85%, so it's pretty far, far up. And I think the intermediate trends for the market are advanced, okay? So the, the price trend of the S&P 500, along with its relative performance versus bonds and the ad- Advanced decline line have yet to show any meaning, meaningful signs of decay. But we are at 70 on the bullish percent. We're in a column of X's, so we have the ball. Okay. But it's how you play. You know, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be doing crazy stuff. Let stuff come back to you Buy it. I think dividend growth right now, there's a lot of good ideas. You know, I was looking through our dividend growth portfolio in the prime income list. You know, one of the things that nobody's talking about is utilities. Uh, utilities, you don't have they raise their dividend five to six percent a year. It's not the six to eight percent for dividend growth, but they're still pretty interesting. Also, real estate investment trusts. Remember, we talked about the real estate investment trusts that are doing business with small and mid-sized healthcare companies and biotech companies. Uh, these are great scenarios simply because they have the highest rate of dividend increases in the groups. Okay, if you like that report, I have it. But we have some really good emerging ideas that I'm seeing in the healthcare area, uh, but it's not overall. All right, the healthcare area still is the cheapest that I've ever seen it. Um, we are having growth stocks stall, and I don't know if they're coming back. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, Kathy Moore's Ark portfolios are at some serious support, and they got a hold, and uh, you know, you would you would hope that would be the case, but you know, Tom Lee over at Fundstrat who's a very smart guy, one of the best strategists out there when he was with Morgan Stanley and still one of the best strategists, is saying it was he said it would be a violent correction. That's what we talked about back in January, remember? And it was more violent than we anticipated. So, uh you know, growth versus value, you know, we're getting we're we're having a a boxing match and uh you know, the boxing match right right now the you know, growth is kind of on its <laughs> heels. So, the stickicals and the high beta are rallying from support, so that's very positive, and I think you know you can continue there. But and look, I've got several ideas in the uh, uh, dividend portfolio that look really good right now. I mean, really, really good. Just remember, the American Association of Individual Investors percentage of bullish sentiment is, is up there, so that's a contrary indicator. So, what would I do? Well, I would go to WHK fourteen twenty AM. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show Tim Hayes. And you can go directly to my web page, you know, and go to the Insight page. There's some good stuff on there. Some stuff on Brexit. There's a, on the markets, what the Fed's doing, and it changes all the time. So if you just if you saw it last week or the week before, it could have already changed already. We're gonna have Rob Schleimer on there pretty soon. He's he's he does great stuff. Uh, but in the meantime, what you can do is, is there's all sorts of contact me or email email me's. Or call me. <laughs> My phone number is all over the place, all right, and and we could talk about our ADR list, all right. Some of these are starting to, you know, especially seeing some foreign drug stocks that I like. Uh, top ideas, small cap ideas. You know, we just put one on in the in the on the oil area that looks fantastic. Our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list—they're all good. Our multi-cap. Ideas, okay, whether large, mid cap, and small cap, and then if you'd like to have a cup of coffee, you know, uh, and sit down and just talk about a wealth plan. Uh, for you ladies out there, we have Women in Wealth. It's a planning workbook, okay. If you haven't been involved before, this is a chance. For you younger people and young professionals, we have Money Matters uh, matters for you too. A, a book that you can send away for, we can send away. You no, know, gift get you no problem. Also, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. You know, if if what I'm seeing on the interest rate side is correct, I don't know if interest rates gonna stay down here. If you can lock in a five or ten year loan right now, it'd be a very smart idea. And Tim's, you know, you gotta use credit to your advantage. You don't want to you don't wanna buy credit when it's up, okay? So leave it with that. And then for all you guys selling businesses out there, we have the business businessman's uh, business person's guide to transition. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, everybody's got a mother or sister who's mother. <laughs> uh, to all the ladies out there. Remember, to buy low and sell high. This is the Smart Investor Show. Have a great weekend.